Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello and welcome to the program, UFO Warning. In this episode, we're looking at the Lubbock Lights. That's correct, the Lubbock Lights. Now, this article comes to us from history.com. The title says, The Unsolved Mystery of the Lubbock Lights UFO Sightings. Hundreds of people, including several university scientists, witnessed the flying blue-green lights in August of 1951. One person even took photos, and it has a picture here of these Lubbock lights. Uh, must be 25, 30 of them at least, orbs in this wing formation. Reminds me very much of the uh, giant triangle shape that, that was reported over Phoenix, you know, about 25 years ago. It says, August 25th, 1951 was a quiet summer night in Lubbock, Texas. That evening, a handful of scientists from Texas Technical College were hanging out in the back yard of geology professor Dr. W.I. Robinson, drinking tea and chatting about micrometeorites. It was quite the brain trust. Chemical engineering professor Dr. A.G. Orberg, physics professor Dr. George, and Dr. W.L. Ducker, head of the petroleum engineering department. Which made the story of what they witnessed that night all the more curious. Quote, if a group had been handpicked to observe a UFO, we couldn't have picked a more technically qualified group of people, wrote U.S. Air Force Captain Edward J. Ruppelt, later in his definitive 1956 casebook, The Report of Unidentified Flying Objects. And there... In the early 1950s, Ruppelt served as lead investigator for Project Blue Book, the official Air Force investigations into UFO sightings, after working on its precursor effort, Project Grudge. Gotta love that name, Project Grudge. You know, I think it's important to point out here, we have a large group of professors. It, like they said, it was a brain trust. And he says, we couldn't have picked a better group. I almost think that these people were picked. Not by us, but by the UFO phenomenon itself. That's almost what it seems like. It goes on here. It says, around 9.30 p.m., the university colleagues saw something otherworldly in the expansive Texas sky. A V-shaped formation of 15 to 30 bluish-green lights passing overhead. Stunned, but still using their trained scientific reasoning, they figured the lights would reappear. And they did, about an hour later, in a more haphazard formation. The scientists were all in agreement. They had witnessed something fantastic. But what was it? The professors weren't the only credible witnesses to the mysterious blue-green lights that night. At dusk in Albuquerque, New Mexico, about 350 miles away from Lubbock, an employee of the Atomic Energy Commission's top-secret Sandia Corporation, a man with a high-level Q security clearance, had been sitting outside with his wife. They were gazing at the night sky, commenting on how beautiful it was, when both of them were startled at the sight of a huge airplane flying swiftly and silently over their home. On the aft edge of the wings, there were six to eight pair of soft, glowing, bluish lights. Now, this is a guy with top-secret clearance at an atomic lab. On top, at 350 miles away from where these uh, college professors and scientists witnessed it. So you have a triple-A group of people who observed this UFO. Also remember, this is 1951, so I don't think you had near as much light pollution back then as you do today. You know, 70 years ago over 70 years ago. So imagine these guys looking up into a, a beautiful black sky and seeing this thing fly overhead. It must have been amazing. An hour or so later, according to, an hour or so after, according to a retired rancher from Lubbock, 
His wife had seen something terrifying in the night sky. Just after dark, his wife had gone outdoors to make some sh to take some sheets off the clothesline. He was inside the house reading the paper. Suddenly, his wife had rushed into the house as white as sheets. She was is the sheet she was carrying. The reason his wife was so upset was that she had seen a large object glide swiftly and silently over the house. She said it looked like an airplane without a body. On the back edge of the wing were pairs of glowing bluish lights. The same thing that the uh, atomic scientists saw, the same thing that the professor saw, this wing-shaped craft flying silently overhead. Remember, 1951. Nothing can do that today. Nothing can do it back then. Goes on and says, by the time Rupert flew into Lubbock to investigate the sightings in late September, hundreds of residents had seen the lights over a period of two weeks. Now remember, two weeks this thing's been flying around there. It tells me that it wants to be seen. But not everyone had waited for the government to start looking into the matter. After alerting local papers like the Lubbock Avalanche, <coughs> Avalanche Journal, the Texas Tech professors started their own informal investigation. In the weeks after their initial August 25th sighting, they and their friends observed the lights 12 more times. They measured the lights' angles, roughly calculated their speed, and noted that they always traveled from north to south. Armed with walkie-talkies, the scientists, Luce, and their friends formed two teams and attempted to measure the UFO's altitude with little success. As the days went on, more and more Lubbock residents claimed, residents claimed to have seen the lights, and when the professor cross-checked these reports against what they themselves had seen and recorded, many of the facts lined up. Rupel wrote, of course, few, if any, had recorded the phenomena with the same level of details as the professors. Wouldn't it be cool today if we had professors that just, on their own, decided to investigate this stuff with the kind of rigor that these guys demonstrated? Wouldn't that be neat? But while many observers offered incomplete or poorly expressed recollections, there's little doubt that whatever people were seeing was something real. UFO sightings are usually one-off events, but these blue-green lights were observed multiple times by hundreds of people. Plus, for many, there was physical proof. Black and white photos taken by Texas Tech freshman named Carl Hart Jr. on August 31st. The same night, an Air Force wife and her daughter claimed to have seen a UFO while driving northwest from Matador, Texas to Lubbock. Hart was keeping vigil in his bedroom, looking out for the infamous lights. So you see a whole community on alert here. And the really cool thing about this is that they're all coming forward sharing their experiences. This is how we get to the bottom of this whole UFO phenomena. They're crowdsourcing the truth of this UFO. That's what they're doing. It was a warm night, and his bed was pushed over next to an open window. He was looking out the clear night sky and had been in bed about a half hour when he saw a formation of lights appear in the north, cross an open patch of sky, and disappear over his house. Knowing that the lights might reappear as they had done in the past, he grabbed his loaded Kodak 35, set the lens, and shutter at, at f3.5 in one-tenth of a second, and went out into the middle of the backyard. Before long... His vigil was rewarded with the lights made when the lights made a second pass. He got two pictures. A third formation went over a few minutes later, and he got three more pictures. These hotly debated images, hotly debated. Look, this young man photographed the very UFO that the whole community had been talking about for two weeks. Took a picture of it. But yet it's hotly debated. These hotly debated images which saw a cluster of dim lights in a V formation moving through the night sky are the only visual representation of what hundreds were now claiming they saw. Of course, this was 1951. People didn't have cell phones in their pocket. It says, as Rupert began his formal investigation, 
He found that the lights had affected all who saw them, including a hardened old man from La Mesa who had witnessed them with his wife. Quote, he broke off his story of the lights and launched into his background as a native Texan with range wars, Indians, and stagecoaches under his belt. What he was trying to point out was that despite the range wars, Indians, and stagecoaches, he had been scared. His wife had been scared too. The old La Mesa man had suggested the lights were actually plover birds. See what's going on there? This little guy sees this UFO. He can't explain it. He knows it's real. But it just conflicts with any reality that he has created for himself. So what's he do? Well, his imagination gets to work and he decides, well, they must have been birds. It's easier. It's easier to say it must have been birds, which is a completely implausible idea, than to say, I don't know what it was, but it was something. It says, the old massive man has, has suggested that the lights were actually plover birds, a theory to which Rupert would lend some credence. But just like many people, Rupert interviewed, the old man admitted he and his wife had been looking for the lights after reading about them in the paper. This was a common thread trying, tying together many of the witnesses. One point of interest was that very few claimed to have seen the lights before reading the professor's story in the paper, Rupert wrote, but this could get back to the old question, do people look up if they have no reason to do so? You can see what they're kind of trying to do there, and maybe it's the author, maybe from back then, that the notion is, uh, they're, they're, what they're implanting, what they're implying is a power of suggestion. That people wouldn't have seen these things if, if somebody hadn't said, oh, look up, there's a UFO. Now, everybody, now everybody's seeing them. Uh, I, have to, I have to strongly disagree with that. I think a couple things are at work here. I think, number one, people that see UFOs are typically people that are at least maybe in that moment are open to seeing them. If you're closed-minded enough, you might not ever see one. That's kind of what I think. And number two, I think these things were at some kind of a subconscious level uh, communicating with people to be seen. It, it seems like this this observer effect thing. They knew they were being watched. They wanted to be watched. They wanted to be photographed. I, I just see a two-way street going on here. I don't see this being a situation where uh, local townspeople were falling prey to power of suggestion. I don't see that at all. It says, so what exactly did all these people witness? In the report on unidentified flying objects, Rupil, by all accounts, an honorable and fair man who oversaw what many describe as the golden age of the government's official UFO investigations, offers a strangely evasive explanation. So they set you up with the character here. They tell you what a great guy he was, how honorable and fair he was, and then they tell you that he gave you a strange, evasive explanation. Well, a strangely ev evasive explanation is not an explanation at all. It's an excuse. You know, maybe this guy had been threatened. Who knows? It says, I thought that the professor's lights might have been some kind of birds reflecting the light from mercury vapor street lights, but I was wrong. They weren't birds. They weren't refracted light, but they weren't spaceships. Now, this is an appeal to authority. He's the authority. He's telling you, uh, they're not spaceships. Well, how would he know that? The lights that the professor saw have been positively identified as a very commonplace and easy, explainable, natural phenomena. Well, that's funny, because if they're commonplace and easy to explain, why haven't people been seeing these things all the time? He says, I can't divulge exactly the way the answer was found, because it is an interesting story of how a scientist set up a complete instrumentation to track down the lights. Telling the story would lead to his identity, and in exchange for his story... I promise a man complete anonymity. With the most important phrase of the Lubbock's Light solved, 
with the, important, with the most important phase of the Lubbock Lights solved, the sightings by the professor, the other phases become only good UFO reports. Now that is a bunch of nonsense if I've ever heard it. So he tells you that a random professor told him that he's got it all figured out and they weren't spaceships. Can't tell you who the professor was. Can't tell you how he figured it out. Just believe me. Now that is an appeal to an authority based on an appeal to an authority. And it's really an insult to the intelligence and the common sense of every single person that saw this thing. It goes on and says, So the mystery of Lubbock Lights remains unsolved. The Lubbock Lights incident persists in the memory of many older citizens and to this day captivates researchers from across the country. Dr. Monty L. Monroe, Southwest Collection Archivist at Texas Tech University, told Texas Highway Magazine, Mention the event, and everyone has an opinion. Some believe the bright semicircular so-called string of beads cross the sky at great speed, high in the stratosphere. Few agree with the illuminated, with the streetlight illuminated migratory duck bellies theory ventured at the time by skeptics or in the Air Force report. According to Monroe, the professors and other witnesses tried, and other witnesses tired of explaining themselves and what they saw, almost totally ceased giving interviews by the 1970s. In a rare informal interview more than 40 years after the sightings, Carl Hart Jr. reportedly told author and UFO researcher Kevin D. Randall he still had no idea what he had photographed that pleasant August night many moons ago. But like hundreds of other witnesses in and around Lubbock that strange Texas summer, he saw something he would never forget. And that seems to be the hardest thing for people to do is to just admit they can't explain something. You know, it's just a fascinating case, I think. Um, and you can find you can find uh, other accounts of this, but um, what I really liked about this story was how the whole community got together, did their own investigation, took pictures of this thing, recorded the event. So at least we have on record what they saw. And if you would have depended upon the government to do that, if this young man hadn't got out there and got pictures of this thing, then the only thing we would have to go back on to look at what happened 70 years ago would have been the government report. And the government report just seems to me like one big lie. Until next time, this is UFO Warning, over and out.